Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesueur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Actually, would you please remain standing as we uh, read from God's word this morning. On Romans chapter 6, it says this, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You may be seated. You know, I want to put up another uh, quote. Uh, I'm going to kind of quiz you a little bit this morning. See if you recognize where uh, this quote comes from. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another. Does anyone know what, where does that, what am I quoting there? That's right. That, yes, of course. Those are the first words of the Declaration of Independence. The document that led to the American freedom from Great Britain that we are now celebrating this weekend. You see, that freedom, and, and really every freedom, is how we've come to define ourselves. Maybe you've heard this phrase before that America is called the land of the free. And we're not alone, right? I mean, every people want to be free. From the second Virginia Convention at St. John's Church, maybe you remember this scene in history where Patrick Henry stood up and shouted, give me liberty or give me death. Or maybe this, you know, it's not an American example, but maybe you, uh, you remember the movie uh, Braveheart and in the highlands of Scotland where William Wallace screamed with his very last breath that they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. Anyway, I'm not a very good uh, Mel Gibson impression there. But, but freedom is our most precious possession. 
Right? I mean, that, that's why William Wallace's words are so moving to us. We'll sacrifice anything for the sake of freedom. They may take our lives, but they can never take our freedom. But brothers and sisters, if, if you'll humor me for a moment this morning, that, that's exactly what I am going to do today. I'm going to take your freedom. Or more accurately, I'm going to tell you that you were never, you never really had it in the first place. I want to suggest maybe the unthinkable, that you're not as free as you think you are. Now, I know even just hearing that phrase, I mean, we all have a little Patrick Henry or William Wallace in us. You might hear, you're not as free as you think you are, and the, and the hackles start rising, and the hair on the back of your neck stands up. Maybe you get a little fight or flight response saying, not free? What is Nick talking about? But stay with me, because... We'll see together that first of all, when we examine our lives, it's actually pretty normal and obvious that we're a lot less free than we thought. And finally, this morning, we'll see that our relative lack of freedom is maybe counterintuitively actually wonderful good news. But first, I want to start with a movie illustration. Um, there's a, there's a thought-provoking, ultimately, like, not all that good of a movie from 2011 called The Adjustment Bureau. I don't know if you, if you caught this one. But Matt Damon stars as a politician who falls in love with a girl he's not supposed to. And in the background, there's this shadowy um, organization, The Adjustment Bureau, whose job it is to keep us normal human beings on the course that the director has planned out for us. It's a movie about fate, about predestination, and about freedom. Matt Damon decides to go against the wishes of the director and his plan and tries to exert his freedom and be with the girl, no matter what. And, and the larger part of the movie brings up a lot of interesting things that we could talk about, but for now, I want to focus on just one particular scene. It's a scene that, ironically, in this movie about freedom, is a beautiful illustration of our lack of freedom. So I will direct your attention to the screen. We, we didn't have that saying in my neighborhood. It's just one of those phrases that uh, it had some traction with the focus group, and so we kept using it, but it's not true. You know, in 1998, I did a cover story for GQ. The title was Youngest Congressman Ever. And since then, every story has tried to explain how I got here so fast. And the, and the word that people kept uh, using was authentic. Uh, but. Here's the problem. This isn't even my tie. Go get Jim. This tie was selected for me by a 
group of specialists in Tenafly, New Jersey, who chose it over 56 other ties we tested. In fact, our data suggests that I have to stick to either a tie that is red or a tie that is blue. A yellow tie made it look as if I was taking my situation lightly, and I may, in fact, pull my pants down again at any moment. <laughs> a silver tie meant that I'd forgotten my roots. My shoes. You know, shiny shoes we associate with uh, high-priced lawyers and bankers. If you want to get a working man's vote, you need to scuff up your shoes a little bit, but you can't scuff them up so much that you alienate the lawyers and the bankers because you need them to pay for the specialist back in Tenafly. <laughs> so what is the proper scuffing amount? Do you know we actually paid a consultant $7,300? Was, was it $7,300, Charlie? $7,300 for a consultant to tell us that this is the perfect amount of scuffing. Now, I'm assuming that you don't have a group of, of handlers and consultants in Tenafly to help you pick out your wardrobe in the morning, but I think we can actually all relate to this, right? It sounds familiar. Maybe it sounds like every single day for you. Or maybe, maybe that sounds like you're skeptical and you're like, you know what, that whole like, I'm going to wear a red tie, blue tie, but not a silver one, not a yellow one, and make sure my shoes are scuffed up just right. Maybe you're like, you know, that's, that's for politicians, but that's not for me. But the truth is, I think every single one of us stands in front of our closet every morning and chooses our outfit. And maybe that act of choosing our outfit is probably the freest decision that we imagine that we make, but we choose our outfit in bondage. See, Scripture says we are bound, maybe only subconsciously, by the impression we want to make on the people we are going to see that day. Now, I don't know what you did this morning, picking out what you were going to wear to church, but maybe you, in your mind, you, as you pick out an outfit, you want to, you want to wear something that, that gets people to, to respect you. Or maybe you wear something so people will think that you're cool or impressive. Maybe you wear something so people will notice your body. Maybe you wear something so people won't notice your body. Maybe you want people to be aware that you can afford nice clothes. Any of a hundred different things you might think about as you're making your free choice. See, I think we can relate to Damon there. If you see that character, that's a character that is not free. He's bound to what the expectations were of him to become the perfect candidate. The proper amount of scuffing on the shoes. For us, it's not that we're, the, that we're robots who lack freedom. It's just that every decision we make is pressured by forces on all sides. Maybe it's that email that you have to send that, that you read over and over again, making sure you choose the words just perfectly. Or the phone calls you make only after taking a deep breath and centering yourself. See, so much of 
Our life is made up of responding to the myriad pressures all around us, doing things that you feel like you have to do. Or maybe doing things in the way you feel like you have to do them. My friends, that's not freedom. That's bondage. That's what the the Bible describes that we live in. So, So you're not free. Happy Independence Day. But the reality is, again, it's not that we don't have a will. It's just that our wills aren't quite as free as we thought they were. The Bible says that that our wills are bound. Maybe think of it this way. Imagine you and your will standing in the center of the room. But all the various forces in your life have thrown a, a lasso, a rope over you and are pulling you in all sorts of different directions. All of these voices in your life that say, do this and don't do that and do it this way and don't do it that way. Why would you do it that way? Maybe it's your spouse, your in-laws, your friends or your employer, your plans for the future, the girl or boy you hope will notice you, the mistakes you hope to avoid. You and your will being pulled this way and that. That's what Paul is talking about here. You got enough of these ropes around you, yanking you back and forth, that it's pretty hard to think of yourself as free. No, my friends, you are bound. Actually, in, in our passage today in Romans 6, Paul goes a step further, and he, and he says that, that actually you're slaves. Strong language, but he's got an important point to make. If we can put a couple of verses back up. Verse 17, it says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. Right at the beginning there, he says says that we're slaves. But notice what, what Paul does here. He only calls us slaves so that you can hear the good news. The very first phrase that he uses is, thanks be to God. We're not slaves to sin and the devil anymore. We're actually, we're slaves to righteousness and Jesus Christ. You see, before we ran to and fro trying to to satisfy the various forces that had those lassoes around us, trying to, to justify ourselves in the eyes of everyone, But that life only leads to death. You know that the death that Paul's talking about here, that that lifeless, soul-crushing practice of trying to placate and satisfy everything and everyone in your life, only to feel every single time that you're coming up short. You ever feel like you're coming up short? 
that you haven't done enough, that you're not good enough. Paul's response to that in verse 21, he says, but what fruit, uh, in, in, in other translations it says, what advantage did you gain at that time from the things that now you are ashamed of? For the end of those things is death, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Verse 23, probably one of the most famous verses in Scripture. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're not free. But, but we're not slaves to sin and death anymore either. Paul says that now we are enslaved to righteousness. Enslaved to God. So that's better, I guess? I don't know, like maybe when you hear it, like slaves to righteousness, that rings in our, in our American ears kind of in a funny way. It's not like how we would necessarily explain something. Um, but I heard a story recently that might help kind of flesh this out for us. It's a story from, from the Civil War. And toward the end of the Civil War, before America's slaves were freed, a northerner went to a slave auction and purchased a young slave girl. As they walked away from the auction, the girl was wondering and, and, and feared what this new master would be like. The man turned to her and said, you are free. With amazement and probably a little bit of suspicion, she responded to the man. She said, you, you mean I'm free to do whatever I want? I said, yeah. And, and to say whatever I want to say? Yes, anything, came the response. And to be whatever I want to be? Yeah. And even go where I want to go? Yes, he answered with a smile. You're free to go wherever you'd like. She looked at him intently, thought for a moment, and replied, okay, and I'll go with you. That is a picture of our slavery to Christ. You see, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. The precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is how and why our, our current bondage can be such good news that we are now bound to Christ. And bondage to Christ isn't slavery. It's freedom. It is freedom from, from trying to justify yourself, from, from trying to save yourself. It's the freedom to rest in the salvation of Jesus. You see, in salvation, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. You're his. 
That is good news. This is the gospel that you are not your own. Therefore, you are never on your own. I'll say that one more time. The gospel says that you are not your own. And therefore, you will never be on your own. See, when we stand before a holy God and have to answer for the lives we've lived on our own, is the very last place that we would want to be. What did verse 23 say? The wages of sin is death. On our own, death is the only outcome. But we're not on our own. We are Christ's. We are never on our own. And the benefit of being Christ's possession is eternal life. So my friends, as we transition this morning toward communion, toward partaking in the Lord's Supper and the blessing that comes with it, I want you to know this, that all the validation you seek from those phone calls or emails wardrobe choices or job performances, relationship developments, all of it has lost its power on you. All the lassos that have wrapped around you, pulling you in a hundred different directions have been loosed. The cords were cut when Jesus said, it is finished. In Christ, you have all the validation you will ever need. You walk willingly with your new master who has purchased you with his blood. And Jesus says to his children, to, to you and to me, I have bled for you. I have died for you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So friends, you are not on your own and you are never going to be on your own because you are Christ's, sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as his forever. Amen.